0: Life Audio. When I feel turned around and unclear and unsure about where I stand and what's going on in the world and how to make my way, what I need to do is be centered on God in a mindfulness, not a self centered mindfulness, not a self centered mindfulness, but a God centered mindfulness that we're called for. Not to reflect on our own problems first, but to consider the glory of God and then place ourselves within his glory. Hey, hey, welcome back to the How to Study the Bible podcast. I find myself, especially at the beginning of a new year, often wanting to kind of return to the basics and make sure that at the core of my being and the foundation of my time and energy, I'm directed in the right way. And it can seem like life is just so noisy in every sphere, whether that's your physical fitness or your productivity or the food that you're putting into your body. So many people are offering so many solutions. We can just feel inundated. And the spiritual life is no different. We're going to get the same experience because, you know, frankly, we live in a consumeristic culture and everyone's out there trying to make their way. And so if you're in the media at all, social media, or even just anything that you're receiving, you're going to be getting all of this information about what problems you have and the people who can solve them. And our spiritual life can get hijacked by that just as easily as anything else. And so in the beginning of the year, often I find myself being like, okay, wait, what is this really all about? What what does the good life look like according to Jesus? When we think about what we learn in the midst of all that is our religion, you know, the traditions and the trappings and the people and the culture that surrounds what we believe, how do we just return to actually what we believe in a way that we can not only engage with personally, but also transforms our lives so that we are winsome witnesses to who God is. And as the world changes, we can bemoan changes to the world if we want. We can talk about how it feels dark right now and harsh right now and isolated. And I think those are all real and true things. However, God is still sovereign. God is still always at work. And no matter what situation we're in, it's always an invitation to shine brightly, the light of Christ in our life. So if we look at the world right now, And we engage with how it feels in what I would consider a post-Christian culture in America, where Christianity, although it may still be the dominant religion that people will check the box next to, more and more being a Christian means I celebrate Christmas or I celebrate Easter, even if I don't celebrate the real meaning of Christmas or Easter. Those are the holidays that I ascribe to as one ascribes to Hanukkah if you're Jewish or Ramadan if you're Muslim we have these other you know sort of holidays that are now full of our in our pluralistic culture where we experience and so the idea of being christian can just mean i was raised to celebrate christmas and that's the world we live in and and there's an invitation though in this world which is for all of us who are following jesus who really want to say each and every day i lay my life down to follow jesus i believe that jesus is the way the truth and the life i believe that what jesus said is true and actually leads to eternal life, that there is a God who is a creator who also sent his son into the world, and that my job and my calling in life is to live worthy of what I've received, the grace of Jesus Christ in my life. Like, if you believe those things, right, that's an opportunity that we've got to engage to ask, okay, if the culture around us is changing, what does it look like to be a winsome follower of Jesus? How will people know that I have a hope? And if they were to ask about that hope, what would I say? And how would I describe what the good news of Jesus actually is? And so it's our responsibility as people who follow Jesus to be asking ourselves these questions. How would I talk about my faith and the practicalities of my faith and what that looks like in my everyday life and how what those practicalities are actually transforms the person that I am? And I think that's the world we're in now. Like we may have been generations before in a world that says we need to understand how to be free of guilt and free of our sin. That's still true today, but that might not be the leading feeling that someone might be interested in, even though that's a part of our faith, right? So every season, every generation requires a fresh way of describing the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel is that Jesus did say This is the way to live true, full life. And there are rhythms to the way we live true, full life that actually lead us into goodness, that lead us to peace, that lead us to joy. And those rhythms actually create space for us to be led into those places. And amen, if this isn't a time more than any other where people are looking for joy and they're looking for peace. And they're finding that the circumstances around them are not creating the happiness that they would maybe call joy. Or they're finding that their anxiety is not being relieved. They're not able to control their anxiety. And so they're living in this fear. And when people are in those places where they either have no joy or they're living in fear, that's a painful place to be. And people want to figure out how to get out of pain. So as believers... We want to understand, first of all, that that pain in our own life, the way that we are affected by fear, by shame, by places where we feel uncomfortable, where we're not happy, and we want to know how we are led out of that and that we could describe that to other people because that's a testimony to our faith. So the secrets of the good life we're going to explore over the next few weeks, and I've just picked out a few things. This is really an integration series, so a little different than our normal way of studying I'm going to bring a little more to the table each week where I'm going to invite you to engage with me on different places in Scripture that point us toward what it looks like to live out these spiritual rhythms that help us live in a place of joy, in a place of peace, in a place of freedom, a place of confidence. And we're going to do that by looking at different places in Scripture. And then we'll return to our standard approach that we take in this podcast where we look at one passage of Scripture And we walk through questions together to answer that. So a little bit of that, but a little bit of integration for the next few weeks, because I just feel really convicted that I want to answer these questions for you. I want to answer these questions for myself. I'm around a lot of young people these days. And as I'm around these young people, I find myself formulating, how will I describe the faith in a way that engages with the pain that they feel in life? And what will that look like on an, they ask me, you know, as they do sometimes, what does it look like on an everyday basis to engage with joy, to experience peace? I want to have an answer for that. So, and I want you to have an answer for that too, for yourself. And I want you to have an answer for the people in your life. So we're going to be doing that over the next few weeks. We're going to look at what it means to consider, what it means to confess and receive, how we fight fear, how we choose joy and how we crucify self for even greater purposes. I'm super excited, you guys. Let's get into it. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y, or visit give.cru.org study. Again, that's give.cru.org study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only.
1: Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to UnityWeekend.com. That's UnityWeekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation.
0: So the first secret to a good life in our faith, and I do do believe this is actually the first (laughs) secret of the good life is to cultivate the posture of considering. And I use the word consider because it means a thoughtful engagement. It requires us to actually focus and be attentive and listen not only to our own mind, but also to the world around us so that we can consider what it means for us. I'm drawing the word consider from Psalm 8 when it says, when I consider the work of your hands. So there's this idea of creating space to be intentional about thinking. And you would be surprised at how few of us do this. The world is full of ways to kind of numb out and disconnect and just move from task to task or move from entertainment to entertainment. Whether that's on your phone or on your TV screen, we have the opportunity to literally disconnect and be asleep to the world at all times. And it's very easy. It, it, it knows no bounds. Doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your socioeconomic background, doesn't matter your job. We are all tempted by this disconnection that lulls us into never really considering anything. Most of us don't consider or make space or think intentionally because when we do, it brings up negative feelings When we do engage, we have undealt with pain, we have anxiety that presents itself, we have places where we feel grief or loss or out of control. And generally, as human beings, we do not like to feel pain. So it is a wonderful sort of drug to be disconnected from your life. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, number one, it doesn't work Number two, it makes you less of a person. Number three, you're not actually going to experience joy either. So you can't just disconnect from bad feelings. Once you disconnect, you disconnect from everything. So what happens, and you may have experienced this in your life over time or or through the pandemic, especially as we were all kind of disconnecting and just making life happen. What happens is everything gets dull in life. You begin to get sort of numbed from everything. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just escape pain and, but then feel joy and meaning like at its fullest, but we can't. The way we're wired and the way we're designed is that in order to feel the fullness of life, the fullness of joy and of peace, righteousness, purpose, we also have to engage with the things that are difficult and considering is the first step in just engaging with your life. And this is why I believe this is the first secret of the spiritual life is that you must be a person who considers. And that might look like five minutes a day where you are quiet and you allow yourself to hear and experience your thoughts and what's going on inside of you. It may be five minutes or 10 minutes where you take a walk and you consider life as bigger and beyond you and you put yourself into a proper positioning in the universe. It may be 10 minutes where you explore something outside of yourself and outside of the very curated playlist that is created for you because of the wonders or the terrors of technology that mean that if you jump on your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, your TikTok, your newsfeed, it's going to be curated toward what you already like. So anytime we want to consider the world, we have to disengage from those things, even for a brief moment so that we might put ourselves in a position where we can say, okay, what's really going on? Who am I? Where am I? What does God have for me? And these are the kind of questions that drew people to Jesus when he walked to the earth. They're not exactly the same, but what we do see, the kind of questions people asked Jesus when they were interested in him was, who are you? When will you establish your kingdom? What makes a good life? How do you be righteous? You know, those are the kinds of questions that people had for Jesus. And I think that The kinds of questions that people have for this life, whether they know if they're for Jesus or not, is that I think people are looking for how to live fulfilled, how to live life well, how to live with peace and purpose, to feel a sense of belonging and intention and direction for their life, right? How to be resilient. In the face of trials, these are the kinds of things that pop culture talks about all the time. And as a pastor friend of mine said this week, Drew Daniels, that you guys have heard before here on this podcast, this is the gospel according to Oprah. It's the gospel of self-care, self-discovery, self-fulfillment. It says that you can find within yourself the things you need for a full and free life. It sounds so good, but unfortunately it just doesn't work. It would be great if it worked, but it does not work. We were not wired to find within ourselves those things. So if we do find within ourselves those things, we are finding them by building a kingdom of self where our feelings and our desires and our direction have to supersede anyone else. And so that inevitably means that our little kingdom of self is going to run into other people's kingdom of self. And we're going to have all of this damage in our lives because of the way that we put ourselves first. It's not going to work out exactly as we hoped. And we can argue about that. I'd be happy to, to chat about that. But in my work as a therapist and as a pastor and as a coach, I see it over and over again that it doesn't actually lead to the kind of fulfillment that we hope that it will lead to. It's a little bit of a bait and switch. It feels so good to say, yeah, let me find within myself healing and discovery and fulfillment. And and you, it sounds good. And then it just doesn't work. And then that's disappointing because what are you going to do then? Most of the time, what we do then is we blame ourselves. Something's wrong with me because I can't make this work or something's wrong with everyone around me because they're not giving me what I need. And these are ways to live very small, very bitter very broken and we end up isolating ourselves from ourselves as well as from other people it just doesn't work hey guys we're here because the bible has changed so many lives so just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a bible or you weren't even allowed to have one this is a reality that many around the world are facing which is why i want to tell you about one of our partners crew crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know jesus There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y, or visit give.cru.org study. Again, that's give.cru.org study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only.
1: Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to UnityWeekend.com. That's UnityWeekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation.
0: So the gospel according to Jesus is what? I think we can go to John 4, 24. And in John 4 24, it says, God is spirit, and true worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I love this phrase, in spirit and in truth, because I think it's the beginning of the secret of the good life is that we are spiritual beings who have to live in reality in order to live our fullest, freest life. We have to live in truth. As truth exists in order to live our fullest and freest selves. This is not truth as truth exists for me. It's the actual idea of objective truth that exists in the world. And again, if you're wrestling with your own faith or you're walking with someone you love through their faith, these are places where people like this is an off ramp. They're like, well, I don't believe that there's objective truth. Okay, cool. Well, we can, we should engage with that together because to go any further down this faith conversation is going to be difficult. If we don't believe that there's objective truth, we have to believe in a spirit, right? We have to believe that we are eternal. And there's so many things that point to our eternity. But if you don't believe that, then you are functionally an atheist and it's just better to name it (laughs) because that's truthful than to keep pretending. So Where we start is, okay, do I believe that we are spiritual beings and that there is objective truth? Because Jesus says that God is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. My fullness is going to worship God. And when we ask this question, I think we go back to basics. And this is where I want to wrap for today around this idea of consider. I want to give you some things to consider as a practice this week. And I think we have to go back to how does God reveal himself to us as humans? What does he do to tell us who he is? And we can go to three different places in scripture that I want to take you right now. The first one is in Job 38. So in Job chapter 38, a little briefing on Job. Job is suffering and he's complaining about his suffering to God. And God is going to let him complain for 37 chapters. And then God speaks up in the 38th chapter. And this is what God says to answer Job. This is Job 38 verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? When I prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? So on and on this goes for for a long, beautiful poem, Job 38 where God is basically saying, I'm going to answer your questions about the suffering of life and the difficulties of life by pointing you toward my creation, by pointing you to the mysteries of all the things that you don't understand. It's an invitation to the bigness and majesty and mystery of God. And if God only gave us that and nothing else, if all we had was God saying, this is what I've created, this is what gives me the right to set life the way it is, then God would be a distant God. God would be holy and God would be majestic, but he would be far away from us and scary. But that's not where God ends. He goes on. And if we go to Isaiah 40, we hear similar sorts of things, but a little bit of additional context that God gives us. This is Isaiah 40, starting in verse 25. To whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out the starry host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases their strength. So here God gives us this idea to consider his creation and then he brings it to mankind and says, if I call out the stars by name, one by one, don't you know that I know your name? That I know who you are, that I know when you need strength, that I know that you need me to sustain you, he tells us in Isaiah 40. Consider that. And then finally, Psalm 8 is our final scripture for today. Psalm 8 verses 1 through 4. Psalm 8 is a psalm of praise, and it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength So here we get this next consideration, consider creation, consider that God has created all of these things and is mindful of us. And then Psalm 8 says, not only is God mindful of us, but he has provided us with dominion and glory and majesty as his crowning creation of the world. This is who God is. So when we think about considering, when I feel turned around and unclear and unsure about where I stand and what's going on in the world and how to make my way, what I need to do is be centered on God in a mindfulness, not a self-centered mindfulness, not a self-centered mindfulness, but a God-centered mindfulness that we're called for. Not to reflect on our own problems first, but to consider the glory of God and then place ourselves within his glory. This is not the only step, but this is the first step. The first step when we come to God is to remember who God is. And sometimes we need to remember who God is by watching a sunset or by staring out at the stars or by walking in creation and placing ourselves properly as these small beings who have been crowned with glory and majesty and have been given dominion over the earth, not because of anything that we did, not because we deserve it because God in his order, in the way that he has ordered the world, has stated it to be so. And that's who our God is. The secret of the good life is always, always going to start with considering the truth. God is spirit and true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. I hope that gives you something to reflect on, to consider this week as we move forward with our second secret of the good life. See you then. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today,
1: please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Have you ever felt conflict between your faith and feelings?